Welcome to the Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. I don't know how to start this, so I'm just going to start it. Is that uh, usually um, we have a, a rotating amount of hosts. My name's Paul. Usually you might hear Stefan or Brianne, but uh, we're doing something different on this second season. We've got a, a very, very special person here with us <laughs> and uh, a friend and family of stories we don't tell, uh, Monica. Hi, nice to be here. Uh, Monica, tell us a little bit about yourself, would you please? All right, I would love to. In fact, I would like to intro myself by saying that uh, I got a package that my friend sent me, and it was addressed to the great Monica Hamburg. Oh, I'm uh, sorry, I should have said the great Monica Hamburg. Yeah, the Hamburg. great Monica Hamburg. And, uh, but it arrived yesterday to me. Uh, she sent it in November, and I feel like management saw the package, was like, we have a Monica Hamburg clearly not the same one and just held it until it was I ah, fuck I guess <laughs> it's, I think that's as good an intro as any uh, I am a comedian I do voiceovers I do a whole bunch of things I've had uh, 25,000 careers that I've been I ranging in success from very successful to terribly unsuccessful, uh, the most unsuccessful being acting. So I think that's it. <laughs> uh, but you're also a storyteller. I am also a storyteller, yes. And uh, you have um, you are a, a frequent uh, collaborator uh, or contributor to uh, the stories we don't tell that's event. I am. Uh, I, I kind of just thought maybe you were coming back for the food. Uh, oh, uh, so for each brunch. Yeah, so, yeah until so, you ran out of so food. So I was worried that then w- when we kind of toned the food part of it down, but you're still coming, so I'm that's still great. coming, although, yes. you know. <laughs> you, you want us to. I, I still want the food, you yeah. know. I was, I'm there, like, now I just, you know, before I seemed like a freeloader and a loser, now I just seem like a loser. And I guess that's maybe progress. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> um, yeah, I have a show, by the way, so I'll... I'll a somewhat serious intro, which is, uh, so yeah, I'm a comedian and a storyteller, and I have uh, a podcast called Craig's Lost. It's craigslost.tv, and I do a live version of that show in Toronto about uh, once every, like, month and a half, two months, I guess. Uh, it's infrequent, but uh, craigslost.tv, you can find out all about it, and my website is monicahamburg.com. And, uh, yeah, I pronounce my name Hamburg, but I don't know what to do anymore because nobody else does. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm lost. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we're, we're kind of fo- following the somewhat loose format that we've got with this podcast. Great. Where the hosts kind of talk about something related vaguely to storytelling. Uh, and then usually we hear a story. Mm-hmm. So uh, you and uh, we're going to also hand the keys off to some other people, some other guest hosts. But um, the kind of the idea was to have you uh, kind of curate the, the episodes, um, you know, maybe talk about stuff that you want to talk about in relation to uh, the very loose format of this podcast. And uh, so what's on topic for today? All right. I thought that uh, this has been a theme that's come up a fair bit for both you and I in the past few months, I guess. And, uh, and it has been a topic that people have addressed in stories, which is parental death. It's something that uh, 
especially, I would say, especially if you reach a certain age, <laughs> you're going to have a parent die. But there's also people that have been at our the events uh, where they've been very young when their parents died. So mm-hmm. it's just a, it's a topic that you're almost invariably going to face unless you die early. So mm-hmm. <laughs> something to something to talk about. How did so? You're, uh, I guess, what we what we should say is that we both had. Um, you know, we have had been dealing with this just in our own personal lives of, of, of uh, losing a parent. Right. In 2016, recently. Yeah. So um, so then, you know, of course, you're a comedian and a storyteller and I'm a, a, a storyteller. And, and a writer. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, but so then, of course, we're going to try and deal with these things. Right. In, you know, the story. So what was your uh, route to that? I mean, I, yeah, it was an interesting one because you and I talked about this, that I pretty much, I wrote part of the story on the plane on the way to my dad's funeral. I was very sad on telling the story pretty much as soon as I got back. I think there was like a week gap between that happening and my telling the story, which is somewhat unusual. And you were very good about actually talking to me about timing because that's, that was interesting maybe something also that we'll talk about in another episode which is that it was a very close like I was ready to talk about it I was ready to talk about it but it's an unusual thing obviously to talk about it so soon and uh you had a period where you you waited a fair bit between when the event happened and when you actually talked about it Mm -hmm. but so I don't know uh this might be a whole uh larger thing to unpack Mm -hmm. but uh, the whole too soon debate. Yes. Um, right. I, was just... I I don't. Um, I think it's a, on a should be on a case by case basis because you did a fantastic job um, with that story, and I think sometimes it is important to just like I gotta. I'm compelled. I've got to say this right now. Let's do it. Right. I'm on it. I guess, and that's that's I think the conflict that you guys probably face is trusting you know, warning people, but then also trusting that they know where they're at. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes people might feel they want to share something very private at the time and maybe afterwards regret it. Mm -hmm. Actually, it's totally veer off into that topic, if you don't mind. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had an experience where you had someone who said they wanted to tell a story and you obviously don't have to put in the podcast and you tell them that they don't have to have the podcast, but do you ever had an experience where someone told a story and then felt a little reticent about the story they told? Yes. Okay. Yes. And I don't want to use any names and no, I won't use don't. any identifying um, uh, things in terms of the story. But uh, I think just generally speaking, um, what can happen and what may or may not have happened in that uh, particular case <laughs> yes. uh, is just that uh, I think somebody, uh, you know, somebody could sometimes feel like they are emotionally uh, have their head wrapped around whatever it is that they want to talk about. Right. And I think sometimes they don't, uh, they're not aware of what, what it could trigger once they get up and they talk about it uh, to people in a specific way. Okay. In this specific instance, if there's, you know, this won't identify the person, uh, was it the response they got from people that sort of disconcerted them? Or, because I wondered about that with my own story, was about the parental death. Like, I was like, am I going to come across as an asshole? You know, which is factual, well, but... in some of the things that I've, that I've seen with other people, and I can only imagine... Um, I, you know what? I'm going to take it off a, a storyteller. Anyways, whatever. How about this? Okay. 
So in terms of the too soon thing, mm -hmm. I remember being in a creative writing class and uh, the teacher was all about, yes, you've got to like deep share your deep feelings and write about all your deep feelings and so on and so on. And I remember that it came across, came to somebody and she wrote the story about her father dying mm -hmm. uh, when she was like, you know, six or seven years old. And wow. she's like, I've never actually talked about this publicly to anyone. And she was obviously very emotional and everything. And then, um, and then the the teacher sort of went, oh well, time's up, class is over, so it's you know everybody, we got to get out of here because oh. there's another class coming in. Oh. And I was like, no, 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 you can't do that, because you're you're opening, you're asking somebody to open up, mm -hmm. and then you're not there for the whatever could the happen. Aftermath. You're not taking care of them in any way, right? Yeah. Like they opened up this wound, and then you walk yeah. away, and you're like, you deal with this problem. So, and and I, I this same teacher she used to say that she'd say well you want to write from a scar not a wound and i was like that's bullshit huh it's bullshit because because um i don't think that that's true i think in some cases like in my particular case when i told a story about my dad mm. I, I i really i i actively wanted to wait because uh it was a personal choice of mine but some other people i think for you, uh, when we talked about it, mm. you were just, you were, it, if you were compelled to say that and you, uh, you understand the risks of doing that, right. going in, I, I see, like, go for it. Yeah, I mean, in that circumstance, you know me well enough where you can trust my judgment. Not that you don't, wouldn't necessarily know that about other, other people, but you don't know always right mm -hmm. like they're like i'm fine i can tell the story it's not too soon for me but there's a chance they don't think it's too soon until they delve into it potentially yeah, yeah. and and i because i guess just i guess some people what can happen is that sometimes they almost relive the thing and they're right. not they're not because they're not aware of what is kind of going they they weren't prepared for it right so when you were going in to tell this kind of story mm. How, what did you go in thinking? Were you like, what was, were, were, how did you prepare yourself? I don't know if I did. I mean, I, I'm pretty open about my life in, in a very specific way. Obviously, I do comedy that's very personal and I do storytelling. So I, I didn't have to, I didn't feel that boundary of like, okay, this is difficult because I don't talk about my stuff. But I, I did sincerely have the concern of, like, I'm going to come across as an asshole because most stories about parental death have a lot of, like, I'm broken up about this, you know? Mm. And, and I wasn't. I was just tired. I was just really tired, and there were a lot of conflicting feelings, but none of the conflicting feelings were pain, really. Mm -hmm. and, and they still aren't. And I did... I, didn't you know I, it's one of those things where it's like you feel what you feel but sometimes it's not the right feeling you know and then you right. have that conflict of, of judgment right of like shit you know because mm -hmm. I mean with death it's and this is not necessarily storytelling related but just like generally related people people add a lot of stupid things to say some people have very very most people have really considerate sweet things to say and you know it's so nice to have people reach out but then some people are bet like they think they're better at knowing what you're going through than what you're going through. Right. And yeah. it's yeah, and that's a weird conversation to have. Well, and and why can't uh, I guess maybe this is where, I guess, uh, you know, 
I don't want to say, oh, as a seasoned storyteller, I don't, I don't want to <laughs> sound like that. As, yeah. But um, there were certain things like uh, I had a, it's not necessarily about death, but it, you know, it might as well be related. Right. Uh, it was after, uh, not a breakup, but it was after, I actually included this uh, little story in a story that we told together about an ex-girlfriend of mine. And seeing her again in a very bad reaction, and it was just a really weird, triggering experience. Mm -hmm. And I remember having that conversation with the people from the stories we don't tell, like in the workshop and everything. And they're like, uh, "Do you want to say this right now? Like, do you want to talk about it? This just happened last week." Uh -huh. and, and I was like, "Yeah, because I've been dealing with this shit for long enough, mm -hmm. and I want to just like I almost want to be like, okay, I, I've been feeling this." I've been feeling crappy since this happened mm. and I just want to get this out of my system. Right. So, but also understanding that when you're going into it, that I'm trying to craft it as a story and I'm trying to be in front of an audience and I'm trying to, you know, do all of those things that you do as a performer. Sure. And that's, I think that's where it becomes a little bit strange too, is that you have a story that's a story and that's very personal, but then you're also, yeah, trying to make it interesting for the audience you know mm -hmm. so you're not by no means are you lying about anything it's just that it's it's different than if you were just saying to a friend these are my feelings on this topic you mm -hmm. know you're trying to be a little bit more elaborate and uh, elaborate <laughs> labyrinth like it's a labyrinth and then also elaborate you know like right. I think that it's, it's good that I make up words during this so and what do you think in terms of this of this topic where, okay, so you immediately told a story mm. and um, you've touched on it again since then. Right. So, so do you, because uh, I've touched on it a few times as well. Mm. So I think that was, that's part of it too for me is, is understanding, like being able to just explore this thing of how you're, like where you're at. Like if it's six months Right. later or you know this month later or, or a few months later that sometimes you could have a different perspective or sometimes it, you could not or whatever right yeah I'm, and it does change obviously depending on on where you're at like now it feels very far away whereas it was only like obviously a few months ago um this is potentially related uh but i i you know i do some material about it, right? In, in my comedy stuff. Um, <laughs> and I, I had a lead in the other, and I was just, I made the mistake of trying this on like an actual show as opposed to an open mic. You're supposed to work out material at open mics that you don't know, but I've been trying to find like a lead into some stuff about my mom. And, uh, and then I made the mistake of like, oh, I thought this could go over well because the audience like seemed okay primed for dark stuff. But I, I sort of started out with like, my dad died recently. Uh, which, you know, obviously is terrible because now I have to speak to my mom. And <laughs> it did not go over well. <laughs> it did not go over well really? at all. Oh, yeah. It was, it was, it was the, sound, the sound of not even silence. That might have been better. It was, like when people are trying to get less silence? No, it was. Uh, that would <laughs> or be more great. silence? No, it was, it was this. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and then I actually, you know, I had to be like, eh, and it was sincere. I was like, I'm sorry, I really thought that would work, you know, <laughs> I just, you know, that I, but I kind of lost them a bit, right? Because yeah, then yeah. I was a cunt and that's, you know, 
and yeah, I mean, it's it's context related, but it, it was it was interesting because mm. I uh, I thought that was funny. Yeah. <laughs> so should we? We're going to hear a story about what else? Parental. Parental death. Parental of course. death. And uh, but you're going to be here with us for a few episodes, right, Monica? I will indeed. Yes. Okay. Cool. stop by Mount Pleasant two or three times a year. Just enough to betray the kind of sentimental person that I am, but not quite enough to qualify as a ritual. I never really feel pulled there. It's more of a crime of opportunity. I'm volunteering at the Alzheimer's Society in Midtown, and it's a beautiful night, and I want an excuse for a walk. Or my evening plans are canceled, and I find myself with an extra extra hour or two to kill in the middle of the week. Once, I'm dating a newcomer to the city who's placed this landmark cemetery on his long list of things to see in Toronto. I visit Dad before meeting up with my date, and then he takes a picture of me standing next to a pile of rocks to Snapchat back to his friends at home. Here's what Toronto's all about. Dad's ashes are in a little cul-de-sac in the southwestern corner of the cemetery. On the walk there, I pass a stone for two men, only one of whom has died, that asks visitors to come visit us in our new location. Sometimes I think about looking up the man who has not yet been buried, asking him to tell me their story. Sometimes I think this might be a little macabre, but it's certainly an invasion of their privacy. Why would you put something so funny on your gravestone if you don't want people to ask you about it? (laughs) I've taken at least one photo. I think they might. I can't decide if this is disrespectful, but I think that they might like it. Dad's stone is flat in the ground. It's above the urn that we placed there many months after he died. And I didn't come back for two years after we buried him. I wasn't sure if I'd be able to find the spot again by myself, but it's the only cul-de-sac in the cemetery, so it was easier than I expected. I usually just sit down beside it, brush off the maple keys, tear at the grass that has inevitably grown over the corners. Sometimes I bring a tall boy or a chocolate bar or some other snack to enjoy. Always I bring some kind of laundry list of what's going on in my life. Sam's pregnant again, Dad, and I'm starting a new job. Neither of us are talking to Mom right now. I wish I could get your perspective. I have this feeling that we'd be alike, that he'd understand whatever questions I have. The last time he gave me clear-headed fatherly advice, I was 16. We'd just driven back from Ottawa, leaving my stepmom with her, with my grandma for an extended visit, and we put on an episode of Law & Order, might have been SVU. It had teenage sex and consent at the heart of it. During the commercial break, my dad gave me this sort of heartfelt speech about saying no, about not letting boys pressure me into anything. It already had sex by then, but I didn't tell him that. I never really talked to him about my romantic life, and the commercial break of an episode of Law & Order didn't really seem like the right moment. That summer, he'd go sleepwalking in the middle of the night and fall down the stairs and hit his head, and he would never have a clear mind again. So from the moment I decided to go to Mount Pleasant today, when I got a text from my adult learner canceling on me, I'd been listing triumphs in my head. I think you'd be proud of me, Dad. This is the life I've been building for myself at 28. I'm saving. I'm learning about my body and how not to take it for granted, how to keep it healthy. I've been meditating, writing morning pages, running. I'm going to run a 5K this weekend, my first. I started an event that I think you'd love. I talk about you, still. I'm on this crazy elimination diet, so I don't bring a tall boy or a chocolate bar with me. And when I sit down on the grass next to his marker, I immediately start pulling back the weeds, whispering the triumphs I've been mentally reciting all day. It feels good to feel like I finally have it together to be carrying more triumphs than confessions. 
Things are going so well that I just started planning a trip to sort out my complicated feelings for a man I've known for six years. Now that I can keep my room clean and save for retirement and meditate every morning, I think I might be able to talk about the future. But the thing is, Dad, he lives a thousand kilometers away. Somebody has to turn their life upside down if we want to be together. How did you do it, Dad? In spite of myself, I've strayed from my typical Mount Pleasant monologue. And I'm not angry. A tear rolls down my cheek as I ask the ghost of my father how he came to turn his life upside down. He left my mom when I was three and immediately moved in with the woman who would become my stepmom. My mom and my sister both thought he'd been having an affair, and I guess I thought that too whenever I was old enough to consider that kind of thing. But I never asked anybody about it. I certainly never asked him. It seemed indelicate, and besides, I wasn't sure that I wanted to know. What was the point? Who tells a 16-year-old kid exactly how her parents' marriage broke down? It wasn't until I was 26 that I heard anything to contradict what I'd assumed. While my grandmother was in hospice care, my stepmom and I sat in the backyard of the house where she'd grown up, drinking and discussing our respective mothers. She told me that she'd become close to my dad while they were working together to counsel an unhappily married couple. While reviewing the case, they ended up in these long conversations about marriage and relationships and how they each imagined them. And in this way, my dad came to realize that the marriage he was in was not the marriage that he wanted. She says that nothing happened between them until he left my mother. Or nothing physical, I guess. And I'm sitting here and I'm crying and I'm trying to figure out how on earth I can have that conversation myself. Have a conversation that makes me want to turn my life upside down. How did it feel, Dad, knowing that you couldn't spend another day in this life that wasn't right for you? That it was worth leaving your wife and your daughters for a shot at this other life that you'd only glimpsed? I wish you could tell me what that felt like. It's been more than five years since he died, and this is the first time that I've craved his presence. The first time that I've really understood how heavily his absence weighs on me. There are other people I could ask. When she was 21, my mom dropped out of university and moved to another country with another religion and another language to be with a man she was sure she loved, to marry him in a civil ceremony in Beirut in 1973. And just months ago, my stepmom packed up her life and rented a row house in a small town outside Manchester to be near the man that she now loves, to find out what a life with him might be like. But instead of sending her a WhatsApp, I'm sitting here with you, Dad, and I can't believe I'm crying. I cry here all the time, of course, but usually it's because I can't believe all the shit that's happened to me. And this time, I can't believe I have to face it all without you. Thanks for listening to the stories we don't tell. You can subscribe on iTunes, uh, where you can leave a comment. You also can like Facebook or our Facebook page, depending on how you feel. You can visit storieswedonttell.org for more information. This is really fucking loud. It's very annoying. Um.